After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I have promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man should be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all that the law of Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare for your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Well, happy 2021 covenant. It's good to see everyone this morning. Uh, hopefully everyone has their fingers from blowing up firecrackers until four o'clock in the morning, at least in my neighborhood. And, uh, you know, when we look back on um, uh, 2020, I think probably all of us do so with a little bit mix of emotions. Uh, this, you know, this week we've, we've looked back and, and certainly there's been these things that we uh, would celebrate. Even as a church, uh, we would celebrate how God has worked in us in this last year. You know, just recently, uh, our church plant, New City Church, had their first membership class. And uh, I think roughly 40 adults and many children joined as uh, non-communing members. And that, that church plant is just off to a great start. And God is blessing and working, and few people are coming into the kingdom through that work. We saw this last year people in our own church here commit their life to Christ for the first time. And others recommit their lives to having a, a deeper walk with God. Um, God used us in this last year in a very, uh, a very tangible way to minister to, to several families uh, whose uh, homes were on the verge of disintegrating. And because God's people stepped into the breach and got involved in people's lives, um, homes were, were restored and marriages were healed and people are moving forward uh, to a better day when it comes to their, their future marriage and their home. Several people in our church who uh, this past year who have been in their past victims of abuse or who are struggling and have struggled in their past with habitual sin and addiction took, took real needed first steps uh, to get healing, to get deliverance. Um, people who have been dealing with deep pain because of trials and tribulations had breakthroughs as they saw God begin to, to pour grace into their life and give them relief from that pain. And 
And I'm so happy for everyone who has really taken that first step into uh, what, what can be a very long journey, doesn't happen instantaneously, but it's that important first step to a long journey where true freedom and true deliverance and true healing can happen. In spite of all the upheaval to church ministry, uh, hundreds of adults and children and students have been discipled this year. Um, a lot of churches, unfortunately, because of events in, in their areas or in their churches, had to shut down completely. But here at Covenant, so many of you stepped forward and volunteers uh, gave extra time and energy and creativity and resources. And while we had to take a little break there uh, for uh, the first couple of months, we were able to get back up and running and discipleship, which is such a key aspect of the mission of our church and the vision of our church, it, it stepped right back in. In some ways, uh, I think we did things better uh, after getting restarted than we did even before we were uh, doing it. And, and that brings me to the volunteers. Uh, wow. Uh, this, was, this was a, last year was, was challenging, and we'll talk about that in a second. But one of the areas that was very challenging was simply because, you know, we lost staff members and, uh, and we had lost volunteers, a lot of volunteers who went to New City as part of that church plant. And so there were real holes and gaps in our ministry because of these efforts. And yet many of you, you either gave more time or others of you got involved for the very first time and, and God has blessed these efforts. And so we have a lot as we look back on 2020 to celebrate in the midst of a year that's been very challenging. And, and yes, there were definitely challenges that we faced as a church in 2020, right? We, we, we started the year with a very painful, a deeply difficult time in our church before COVID came along. Um, and, and in some respects, I think even prepared us for COVID because of, of what we were going through. And yet, you think about all the things that we faced, some of these severe trials, some of these things that came our way that could have possibly divided a, a church or created division in our church, yet that's not what happened. And, and God uh, drew us closer together. Uh, we, we still love one another. <laughs> we still respect one another, even in, in some of the op challenges that we had where there could have been disagreements and caused strife. That didn't happen. We were respectful towards one another, and we've stayed unified around the mission of our church and around the gospel that Jesus Christ wants us to proclaim to this community. Um, we continue, though, there's some challenges. We continue to feel the sting of being understaffed. And so would you please pray? Put at the top of your prayer list this team of, of people who have been searching for the right men, the right women to fill these positions. It's been very difficult, much more difficult than I think anything we've experienced since I've been here in the last 12 years. Um, and we need God to fill these things because other staff members are filling that weight and are burning, starting to burn out, and volunteers are having to spend more time to fill that gap. And so we need God to provide for us in, in these areas. And then, of course, I mean, you heard Ananda just a second ago make reference to us. I think all of us, in one way or another, have been impacted uh, by COVID. I know for some of you, you lost employment completely, or you've been underemployed, and it's been difficult. Uh, some of you are small businessmen and small businesswomen, and your businesses, even now, you've been holding on, uh, you know, by the skin of your teeth. And some of you, you lost your businesses. They closed, and you had to close the doors because you couldn't make it. And that, that was the death of a dream. 
Um, you know, I think, I think of our teachers and educators, those, those men and women especially have been heavy on my heart as they have been, you know, grappling with how to educate and, and teach children. And then, of course, all you parents who found yourself becoming teachers, and that was never in your job description, right? As a mom and dad, you didn't plan on that in 2020, or even now as we enter into 2021, you find yourself with your children at school. And so there, there are all of these challenges and it's been a challenging year. And so I understand why, you know, uh, on New Year's Eve and even New Year's Day and the day after, I've seen a lot of postings. And those postings, something that go a lot of times along these lines, you know, thank God 2020 is behind us, it's done. You know, and some people will even say, worst year ever. And that really galls me as a ex-history teacher. I wanna say, have you never heard of the dark ages, you know? I mean, we're talking about centuries and it's dark and it's not because they didn't have electricity or candles, right? I mean, it was just life was that bad. You never heard of the genocides, you know, 50 million people that Mao Zedong killed. I'm sure that they would disagree that this was the worst year ever, right? You know, and then on the heels of that worst year ever, 2021, it's just, it's like roses and candy and everything is just gonna be great. And I'm sitting there thinking, how naive are the, is this? You know, I'm not a pessimist, but I'm, I, I've never been accused of being a pessimist, but I'm also probably not an optimist. I really tend to be kind of a realist. And here's, here's I think, the truth. 2021 is, is hopefully going to be better than 2020, but we have no guarantees of that, right? We don't know what's coming tomorrow. But what we can be absolutely certain of is that 2021 is going to have its own set of challenges and difficulties, and by the way, opportunities, just as 2020 gave us. In some respects, it, they may be very similar, but in others will be different. And I think that when we accept that and we understand that, this passage in Joshua chapter one becomes more relevant to us. Because in Joshua chapter one, Joshua and the children of Israel, they are facing a very challenging opportunity, right? They have been for 40 years wandering in the desert. The generation of adults, their parents, their grandparents who had been in charge with Moses as they exited uh, Egypt and the slavery that was there, they had disobeyed God. They had not entered into the promised land. And as a result, God condemns them to 40 years of wandering in the wilderness until that generation completely dies off. So this is their children. They're now in charge. They're adults. Even Moses, their great leader, prophet, and man of God has died because he too disobeyed God and directly rebelled against God. So they have a new leader, you know, and they themselves are now tasked by God with the conquest of Canaan. Now, if that doesn't sound a little intimidating, right? And so they're standing on the, the banks of the Jordan River, which is at flood stage. They don't even know how they're going to get across the river. There's no bridges. How do we even get over there? And they're filled with doubt concerns, fears, uncertainty, as they have this challenge before them. But as they do, God shows up. And in his own gracious way, he gives them all that they need to rise to this challenge. And in this doing so, and from their experience in this passage, there are some applications for us to glean 
by way of the gospel as we face uncertainties, challenging opportunities in 2021, just as we've had in 2020. The first of which is this. God's plans are often extremely, very intimidating. The opportunities that God will bring to us in 2021, in some cases, they're going to be very intimidating. I mean, you see this in the passage, right? Moses has died. They're here. They have this opportunity to begin the conquest of Canaan. But, but church, this is, this is a difficult task, right? There are seven nation groups, at least, in the land of Canaan, and they have been there for hundreds and hundreds of years. They have built walled cities, and in that day and age, a, a strong walled city was almost impregnable. It, it took a nation like Egypt or Babylon or Assyria to defeat a, a city that had strong walls. The city of Jericho, the very first city they come to, it's been there for 5,000 years. The walls of this city are huge. They're strong. The children, they don't have siege engines. They don't have howitzers. They're just, they're shepherds and they're a nomadic people. How do they cause those walls to even crumble so that they can then conquer the city? They don't have the means to do this. And so they're standing there on the banks of the Jordan River, very much being, they're told by God, right? Everywhere that your foot steps, that's going to be your land. Ultimately, he says, I'm going to give you what we would know as the Fertile Crescent. This is what you're going to get if you obey me and begin this, take this opportunity that I'm putting before you. But that's, I mean, it's still, it's huge. How do we even, where do we even start? You get an idea, an indicator of how intimidating this task was when you look at verse 11, when God says to the people of Israel through Joshua, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. Underline that word dismayed. That's giving you insight into what was happening within the hearts of the people. They're presented with this opportunity and the word to describe them is not exuberant, overjoyed, anxious to take on the challenge, excited. It's dismayed. They, they're, they're, what do we do? How do we do this? We can't do this. They, they had plenty of people who were saying, you know what? We should just stay on this side of the Jordan River. In fact, two of the tribes end up staying on that side of the Jordan River. So it's hard. And, and you get, you know, remember when you were a kid and your parent, mom or dad, especially a lot of times it fell into moms, when mom would say, look you in the eye and say, now, now, John, Johnny, don't be afraid. What was that? What, what, what was that clue at that moment in time? You should be afraid, right? <laughs> Anybody filled with common sense knows that when mom says, now, honey, don't be afraid, what's coming is normally something you should be afraid of, right? And so here's God three times in 11 verses saying, now, children, don't be afraid. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, why are you telling me not to be afraid, God? Oh, well, <laughs> because what's coming under normal circumstances, common sense would say, be very afraid. He says, do not be afraid. You know, what I can assure you of church this year as you face different challenges in 2021, God's plans 
at times are going to be intimidating to you, to us as a church. There are going to be times where you will be filled with uncertainty, where you will be filled with fear. God's plans this year may call upon you to, for the first time, to actually carry out that conversation with a loved one who doesn't know Jesus. And this is the year where you look them in the eye and say, I love you. I want to talk to you about your spiritual life and your destiny. And that's intimidating. It may be that 2021 is the year that God calls on you to step up and take more spiritual leadership in your family. It may be that this is the year where you open up your family to a neighbor or to another family that you played little league baseball with and you invite them into your home and you begin to do life with someone who thinks differently, looks differently, believes differently than you do so that you can have that relationship and begin to form that friendship so that you can show them too what it means to have Christ as Lord and Savior. There's many areas that God will challenge us personally. He'll challenge us in our personal holiness. He may challenge us us to become more involved in his work, to give of our time, to give of our finances, to fund the kingdom. He may call on us to sacrifice for the opportunities that are before us. As a church, this is definitely going to occur. We're going to be challenged this year to carry out the values that are important to us as a church. I mean, just think about living authentically with one another. How hard is it, how challenging is it to be truly transparent with other people in our discipleship groups, to to look someone in the eye and say, I need you to pray for me. I'm struggling in this area and you can fill in the blank. How hard is that? How challenging is it to just carry out the most basic of our values as a church? of living authentically with one another. And yet we need this in our lives. It's gonna be challenging for us as we begin this transition. We for 33, 34 years have had buildings with storage and a set place to go to and things. And and this next year is gonna be hard. It's gonna be an all hands on deck year. Absolutely, all hands on deck. We as a church with almost now 40-something years of history are going to go back to being more like a church plant as we get to use this facility for worship. But as the sale goes through and now we build on our property here just to the south, we got to set up and tear down. we got to do things that we haven't had to do for 37 years in this church. It's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a challenge for us to do children's ministry and youth ministry and the important aspects of our ministry as we go through this phase of rebuilding new facilities. And you know what's going to be the temptation? The temptation is going to be for us to become very inward focused during this transition time. But that's anathema to our mission. While we certainly want to take care of, our, of the people that God gives us, who we are consists of bringing gospel restoration to people's deepest needs and our broken world. Built into our mission is an outward focus. And yet we're going to be tempted for the next year, year and a half or so, to be very inward focused. We have to resist this. We're going to have all kinds of challenges. And so God says in the face of these challenges, be strong. Don't be afraid. Be strong. Be courageous. To be strong means to be resolved to use your abilities to accomplish the task. To be courageous means to be bold, to marshal your strength 
for a great exertion. And God gives this exhortation for a very basic reason. Because God uses obedient people of courageous faith to build his kingdom. Read that out loud with me one more time, okay? Read it with me. God uses obedient people of courageous faith to build his kingdom. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you, you've been to parties or you meet somebody at work and you begin a relationship. At some point, that person will say to you, so tell me about yourself, right? Tell me about yourself. Uh, How many of you... um, Begin that description by saying, well, I am strong and courageous. I am bold. How many of you, let's just ask it real quick. And it's okay if you feel this way about yourself. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. If you have an honest self. How many of you would say, Jerry, I am courageous. Raise your hand. Yeah. Okay, there's one person kind of waving their hand back there a little bit. Right? Some children. Yeah, I, Shaw, you're, you're right. You are courageous, son. Yes. Because you will dance on stage in front of the entire church. Because he's too young to know better, right? <laughs> right? We don't typically describe ourselves as courageous. And so we come to this and say, okay, this is great. But what if I'm not a courageous person? What if I'm not a bold person? How do I, how do I carry this out? I mean, is is God just basically saying, oh, listen, I have a task for you to do, but in order for you to do this, you have to be a courageous person for you to do this. Church, God is not, God does not come to the children of Israel on the banks of the river and say, it's time for you to begin the conquest of Canaan because they were already bold, courageous, strong people. He comes to them and he tells them about being strong and courageous because they aren't those kinds of people, but he is that kind of God. And so he gives the challenge and with the challenge and the exhortation and the command comes the provision to carry out that command. Because we're in Christ, as wimpy as we may feel at times, The truth of the gospel is that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of a sound mind. God does not call on us to, to engage in his kingdom plan because we bring so much to the table with strength and abilities and courage and boldness. God is not calling us to do things for him because we have all of these wonderful abilities It's been said, and I believe it to the bottom of my heart, that the only ability God requires of his people is availability. And so all God is calling on the children of Israel to do is to trust him, to obey him and trust him. He will provide the courage. He will provide the strength. He will provide the boldness. He will provide you with the words that you need to say. He will provide you with the courage at the time that you need it to engage in his plan. Because we're in Christ, that one who courageously took on our sins and the pain of the cross 
who now is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, and we are in him, we can ask him at any time, confidently asking him for the courage, for the boldness, for the strength, for the power, for the wisdom, for the insight. You see, we need so much more than just courage and boldness, right? We need wisdom and insight and and all of these other things so that we can be used by him. God does not call on courageous people bold people, strong people, as if they're the only ones who can carry out his kingdom plans. He calls on people who are not courageous and strong to trust him and then obey. God uses obedient people of courageous faith to build his kingdom. Second application, not only are God's plans often intimidating, God's promises are encouraging. I grew up with Joshua 1, 5 to 9. This is one of my dad's favorite passages. He had memorized it. He would quote it to me on any number of occasions or, or aspects of it. Listen to these words. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. What a great verse but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know, as God comes to the children of Israel and he presents them with this challenge, and yes, this challenge is intimidating, he does so by giving them three promises to encourage them, right? And, and, and it's interesting, you know, Dr. John Frame in RT, at RTS, he always sees this tri-perspectival approach to Scripture where so many things are in groups of three. And there's a, a framework of three things here so that, God gives to Joshua, encouraging him that yes, this plan will be accomplished. For example, he says, you're going to have victory over your enemies. I'm going to be with you. My presence will be with you all through this trial. And at the end of it, there's this wonderful inheritance, the land that you're going to get. And and here's the thing, church, as much as we see that approach to the nation of Israel as they're looking at the conquest of Canaan, We see that same approach that God gives to us, these same kinds of promises. So for example, we see in Joshua that he gives to the Israelites the promise of victory over human enemies. To the church though, it's victory over all our enemies. He says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Paul, in Romans chapter 8, as he comes to this climax of praise, and he offers up this doxology, will ask the question, what shall we say in response to everything that we are in Jesus Christ? 
Christ. What's our response to all of this? And he answers it by saying, if God is for us, who can stand against us? Neither height or debt or principalities or powers, things above, things below can stop the Christian who's been indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And that leads us to a second promise, right? The children of Israel, they, they had God's presence in a cloud at, you know, by day, a, a pillar of fire at night. He would ultimately put his presence upon the tabernacle of the temple. But think about what we have, what a better promise we have as a church. We don't look over at 720 Emerson and say, oh, there's God. That's where he's at. No, God is in us. Every one of us who believes in Jesus Christ, who's received him as our personal Lord and Savior, at that moment, the scriptures tell us that our body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in us, who we've received from God. The apostle John says in chapter four, verse four, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Why? Was it possible for the Israelites to, to take that step of faith and cross over the Jordan River and begin the attack against, for example, Jericho? And, and God will just miraculously deliver the city of Jericho because their trust was in someone who was greater than the city of Jericho. And the point that God is giving to us is there's no matter what the challenge is that we face, listen, the challenge can be personal sin. It can be addiction. It can be pain. It can be a situation at work. It can be a difficult marriage. It can be an opportunity to, to do something wonderful with a business or, or whatever, whatever that may be. If God is bringing this to us, and we make ourselves available to God, we put ourselves before him, and it's not your will, Lord, but mine, I wanna be your instrument. When we approach these challenges like this, God in us brings about the ends that he desires. You know, the Israelites, they received the promise of an inheritance of the land. For us, our inheritance is eternal. In Colossians, whatever we do, he says, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. God laid out an intimidating plan for the children of Israel and for Joshua. He gave them clear and he gave them meaningful promises that would encourage them through tough times. Yet church, all of those promises, all that understanding that God lives in us through the Holy Spirit is absolutely, essentially useless if the Israelites, for example, had not actually crossed over the Jordan River. You know, it, it seems that at times, as Christians, it's very easy for us to become very pacifist sit back and just expect everything to happen. That's not the way God works. I mean, that's sometimes he will. Sometimes God will, will do something just totally out of the blue that, I mean, you just sit back and you're in awe that, wow, how did that happen? But normally, normally, and this passage again shows the norm, 
that our God, who is a sovereign God over everything, he declares the ends, but he also declares the means to those ends. And normally, God's kingdom plans include human involvement to bring about those plans. He works in us and through us for his glory, for his end. So, so let's realize a final application this morning. For, for us to experience the fullness of God's presence and power to, to, to experience his glory in ways that absolutely are just unbelievable, we have to participate. We, we have to get involved. This, this passage has got a great blend here. Verse 10, Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp, tell them, take the next three months off, let's just sit back and spectate. Right? No. Command the people, prepare your provisions, for within three days you're to pass over this Jordan to go in, now notice this very carefully, to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Do you see both dynamics here? Listen, the Lord your God is going to give you this land to possess. He's in control of this entire campaign. It's going to be successful. Now, cross over and take possession. There's this tension here. God is sovereign, and as humans, we still are responsible to obey, to trust him in faith. God's sovereign plan, which is often intimidating, and his bold promises that he gives are not an excuse for us to sit back, play it safe, and spectate. These promises are given to us to encourage us to participate, not spectate. And so in 2021, you're going to be given, and I'm going to be given, and our church is going to be given opportunities to participate. And these opportunities will be challenging. They may even be risky. Some of you, God is moving in your life, and he's calling on you to, to respond to the offer that is being made to have your sins forgiven, to enter into relationship with him, to be reconciled to your creator, some of you are holding back, and rather than taking the opportunity to sit down and have lunches with me and others and explore your questions and, and look at the truth of the gospel, rather than taking that opportunity, you continue to sit back and watch. 2021 could be that year where you stop spectating and you participate, and you begin to look into these matters and see the truth of the gospel for yourself Many of us are going to be challenged. Let me encourage you to do something this week. You know, I know at the very beginning of every year, I like to have time where I think about the upcoming year. Maybe I'll set goals for myself or something like that. I, I try to be careful with that. I don't even call them New Year's resolutions. I've, I've gotten too smart for that. You know, years of failure resolutions to say, you know, these are just goals, Right? But, you know, one of those things that I think would be good for many of us to just stop and pray and think about is to begin in, by asking God, Lord, what is it already in my life that I've been holding back in that you want to challenge me to trust you in? And, and that could be any number of areas, right? 
I don't know everything going on in your lives. I know that there's always something in my life. You know, I know that if I really stop and I quiet everything and I let the Holy Spirit guide my thoughts, he will bring to my mind something that, okay, this is an opportunity here for you to take a step of faith to trust me. It might be risky, it might be hard, but in the end, it's gonna be for your good and for my glory. Now, will you do it or will you just go one more year not taking advantage of this opportunity. Let me encourage you this week to do this, to, to, to stop and ask God, make a matter of prayer, Lord, I belong to you. I want you to use me this year. I, I want to be your instrument. Would you show me where you want me to go, how you want me to live? Would you show me how I need to have my faith stretched and give me the provision for this? Listen, God uses obedient people of courageous faith to build his kingdom. He's given us unique opportunities in Palm Bay. It's gonna be, be a different year, difficult year in many respects. It's gonna be an exciting year. He's taking us to a place, church, that we never saw coming even two years ago. It's amazing how he has changed the direction and the path of our church. He has a plan. We don't completely understand this plan yet. But what we do know is that if we'll trust him, if we'll bathe it in prayer, if each morning we, we wake up and we start by saying, Lord Jesus, I belong to you. Would you give me the strength, the wisdom, the power I need to live for you? Would you use me for your glory today? And if we as a church just have that mindset to say, Lord, we just want to be used by you to reach this community, God will provide and he'll direct our path and our steps. Lord Jesus, May 2021, may it truly be a better year. None of us would object, Lord, if 2021 was a better year than 2020. But Lord Jesus, at the same time, we submit ourselves to your plan. Uh, Lord, if, if more tension and more difficulties is what is needed in our nation in order to bring our nation to its knees to repent, then Lord, make 2021 more disagreeable than 2020. Lord, we want to see you work in our nation. We want to see you work in our church, in our homes, in our community. So, Father, while we may not like discomfort and we may not like challenges, would you do what is necessary to mold us into your people? Father, give us a 2021 that maybe it's more comfortable, maybe it's not, but Lord, would you give us a 2021 of incredible spiritual fruit? May we look back on 2021 and say, wow, God, you showed up. You worked through us in unexpected ways. What a great and wonderful Lord you are. I ask this for your glory, Lord Jesus. Amen.